Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. My debut book, Manifest, Seven Steps to Living Your Best Life, is out now, and you can order it from Amazon, Waterstones, or any other major bookshop. In this book, you will learn absolutely everything that you need to know about manifestation. You will understand that it really is a self-development practice to live by, to empower yourself, to step into your light, to become the best version of yourself that exists, and to attract anything you want into your life. I cannot wait for you all to read it. And if you love it, please don't forget to rate and review on Amazon, Audible, or wherever you purchased it from. Thank you so much and happy manifesting. Hello and welcome back to the Moments That Made Me with me, your host, Roxy Nafusi. Today I am joined by the absolutely beautiful Freddie Harrell. Freddie is a Parisian-born blogger, confidence coach, and creator of Rad Swan, a hair care brand that makes premium synthetic Afro hair extensions and wigs. I have been so inspired by reading her journey, and I cannot wait to find out what her three defining moments are that led her to where she is today. Hi, Freddie. Hi. How are you? I am good. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to be here today. Thank you so much for coming on. And we were just talking just before, you've got two children. And I was just saying, oh my gosh, because I feel like having one is easy in comparison. How are you feeling? (laughs) Uh, Very tired, very tired. (laughs) Like it's crazy when I think about that like a few months ago, I was actually, you know, I had enough sleep. I was actually okay. Like, you know, in hindsight, <laughs> in hindsight, it wasn't enough. And now you're like, okay, oh, okay, I see. <laughs> Bless you. So, Freddie, we basically just kick off uh, by going straight in to your first defining moment. Okay. So my first defining moment and by the way, it's very hard to be three. Um, I would say it's uh, back when I went for a year abroad as part of my uh, studies. I um, My third year in university, I mean, I did a business school. I studied in France. And uh, so we had to go for a year abroad. So I went for the first semester in Shanghai in China. And the second semester, I studied in Madrid in Spain and then uh, I did like a long internship in London Uh, so I really credit this year for being one of those three moments because as a so as you like as you know I was 
born and raised in France. Um, and uh, I'm also like the daughter of immigrants. My parents were born in Cameroon in West Africa. And uh, I think I've always felt, uh, well, you know, so first, like, you know, like you very stand out. Like I've always been in uh, private schools, but I, I don't come from money at all. I was just really good at school. So my parents really invested uh, so I could go into um private schools and so I would always feel like I was um, very different and even more as one of the few black girls that um, someone would less money than that everyone else so it was mm. kind of a feeling that stuck with me for so long because from the age of 10 and even I didn't go to uni I went to business school so it's even that but even like worse <laughs> in terms mm. of contrast um but going abroad when I went to Shanghai, first it was very interesting to be, like I stood out almost just as much as my white school friends, you know, who we were all yeah. like different there. <laughs> so it was kind of nice to kind of be seen as, um, you know, like like almost on par. And uh, and I think also to realize that, and I felt also, it was also interesting to see how from, like by being abroad, all of a sudden I get to be French. So like your culture, like then you have a different perspective on your culture and where you're from and what makes you. That was very interesting to be for the first time granted, um, you know, like being like this citizenship that, you know, that is like the like the country where I've, like I've lived in. But I think it also gives me the, it's, it's a good balance. I love being a foreigner. It really gave me this window on what freedom could look like. Because I think, um, like, I would always feel like I stand out, like, I always feel like an outcast. I think I'm also very, as a, as my own personality, I'm quite very introverted. I live in my head a lot. So I don't know, you know, like, maybe I always feel like I'm a bit weirder than every, than everybody else anyway. But it's almost like being abroad, living abroad, it's almost like having more of that license to be different. And I love that. And then I think I wouldn't be, when I moved to London, like I did my internship in London that year and I loved it. I really loved, it's so funny because I went to London when I was 11 for the first time with school and I hated it. I hated it. Like, we were, like I came with school and we were left to stay with like families, like of older people. And anyway, like, I, I don't know, like I didn't like a good, I didn't have a good experience. I just thought it was weird. And um, so when I came back for that internship, I wasn't really thrilled initially, but then I absolutely loved it. And I was like, I need to come back to London, I need to come back. So when I came back years later, you know, like, I sometimes like to say, like, I was born in France, but I was made in London. I love that. And, uh, <laughs> like the Navy, uh, <laughs> the Navy advert. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, and I think I would not have, turn into who I am today if I hadn't felt this freedom of um yeah being a foreigner like being mm. an outsider I think that's <laughs> so interesting I've really never kind of thought about that but I suppose you're right if you grew up in a place and you felt that you were different and I think that's a really overwhelming feeling as a child a teen um and it definitely I think changes something something inside of you like it really does something on a on a quite a deep level um because I I mean I felt that I had a similar experience growing up so I feel I can relate but then I never really considered that that actually when you 
become a foreigner in somewhere completely different, that becomes irrelevant. In a strange way, you feel more part of, you feel closer to the place that you grew up in than you do when you're there. Yeah, yeah. And it's also a brief, like, it's, it's kind of claiming a privilege, I feel. So first, you know, it's kind of like almost switching, it's kind of like turning the story because I, as someone who's daughter of immigrants, um, like being a foreigner is like a feeling that I'm very familiar with, you know, um, but it's a different spin because like, because my parents came from Africa in, in, in Mexican immigrants, but me, I'm French, I'm moving to another European country. So it makes me an expat, you know, it's kind of, <laughs> it's like, you know, like, so it's like claiming a privilege but that is rooted in the hypocrisy, right, of the mm. of like of our culture. But also, I think when I'm in France, and I think it's this like when I'm in privilege, I really insist on that because I think it also has played a part in the opportunities I've had even here in the UK. When I'm in France, if I tell you where I was born exactly or where I grew up, and you're French, you might straight away put me into a box or just already have an idea of. The expectations you have around me or like like you know you like you've already judged me in a way and uh, that can be uh, very limitating but here in the in the UK like I I sound French so you know like usually like, like people attached to me some French stereotypes which is very funny it's like even and I, 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 and I used to have like I used to have a lot of uh, fraudulent feelings around it like when I've sometimes invited to speak about oh like like Parisian fashion and like like <laughs> dressing like the French because I'm like oh hold on you mean me <laughs> I don't know if the French would be happy to, <laughs> to, to you know like to, uh, to confirm that but um so I think it comes with privilege that here it's like oh she sounds French therefore and that's it you can't that we have no mutual references where I was born where I grew up like it wouldn't tell you anything like to put it into the context of, you know, like what it means uh, in the French culture. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, it absolutely does. It really, really does. If you kind of think about, and especially for anyone listening that, especially anyone that's younger that's listening, that has also, you know, maybe had that experience whose parents may be immigrants, whose uh, maybe just, or for any other reason, feels that they don't, they just don't quite fit in at school. What would your advice be to them? Um, I think my advice would be that the world is a lot is a lot bigger than what that than what we think, especially now in the era of social media. We all live in bubbles, and it's important to really be aware of it. Whatever idea you think of your world, it's not it's a completely different idea of someone else's idea of what the world is, and this is also like a freeing thought because it means that tomorrow, and you don't have to move in another country, even moving in another city, you know, like in, like even being far from the people you grew up with and the people who really know you, it really allows you as well to, to just explore who you are more. So whenever somewhere feels too confining, just, switch up places <laughs> wow I love that move somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> so Freddie what was then your second defining moment my second <laughs> defining moment I think 
I would say um, interesting because like, so with this one, I have kind of like two in mind, but they happened within this, like, you know, like a few months, but they were, um, uh, yeah. The, that moment I think is the, when I was let go, like the last job I had as a, as an employee, like the last uh, job I had was uh, seven years ago, six years ago. And I was let go. So on that last day when they let me go, I remember even saying out loud in the room, oh, wow, my life is over. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and and actually, like, it just, it just really started. I really think that, um, you know, like, even though I did a, I did a business school and, uh, like, 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 you know, like I've, I had been in the world of e-commerce as well before and, I never really had the ambition of starting my own business. Really, for me, my idea of a good career was to um, like kind of find the right lane. And I had been exploring, find the right lane, and then climb the ladder once you, you know, you're set on that lane. And but never, I, I never had the ambition of having my uh, like my own business because for me it was just. Uh, too risky, too, and it's just not me. Like I just felt it wasn't me anyway. Um, but yeah, I was let go of that last job, and it was such an odd job. Anyway, in the end, that I knew, like after that, that I kind of had to make my own, and uh, so that's I felt like I was kind of like forced into creating my own lane after years of experience, like years of just going different places. But that last blow was like okay. I think you have to venture on your own. Mm. I, love that. I mean, I definitely think that, you know, I know that's actually one of the reasons I created this podcast was to really inspire people to remember that whenever there is an end, there is a beginning. And I think that we can, we're so frightened of endings and of change. And it comes with so much unknown that we're, we're almost programmed to fear but actually there is beauty in the unknown and in something ending because it creates so much space for something new. And I love how you said you were just like forced into a different lane. And sometimes I think the kind of what somebody could take from that is actually we should put ourselves in our own lane or switch lanes before we get forced to. But hearing other people's stories like yours can give us that kind of boost to go do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, and, and I think that we shouldn't really be um, so hooked on the way that we go about it, because I think there's a lot of um, sometimes, you know, you feel like you have to be such a hero. It has to be your own decision. It has to come from you. And funny enough, is that at the time I had said that in a few months, I thought I was going to leave this job and try something else. Yeah, I started my career like in finance, in banking, mm. and uh, I really thought I was going to... I really thought I wanted to to become a trader and uh, I really thought I was into it. But then <laughs> turned out quickly, you know, like after like finishing school and starting working in a bank that that wasn't going to happen. I really had little interest in it. And um, so then I changed career and I got into, it was at the beginning of Web 2.0 and I was really excited about this and the startup world, et cetera. So I started working in e-commerce and digital marketing. Um, but then I, so when I moved to London, I was mostly in uh, those, uh, uh, mostly like the jobs that I had 
um, but I worked in fashion almost accidentally like that. So I worked for ASOS, for Topshop, and for Vestia Collective, but in digital marketing. And that's when I was in this job that like slowly I realized that I wanted to do something a lot more creative. I was surrounded with this clothes all the time, but my job had was so far removed from all of that. So I had access to all of those clothes, you know, for cheap. So I had so much that this is how I started uh, like a fashion blog, kind of like fashion slash diary blog. Um, and that was just a way because I was really started to starting to dislike my career and I felt really panicked. It was like, oh, not again. You can't change again. You need to stick to a lane and finally start growing in that lane. Mm-hmm. So the idea of, of the blog was really to do that at the weekend. It would just like take me and my husband uh, on the streets of London, exploring the city, take photos. It was kind of like a way to just, uh, claim my weekends and do something fun but that was just it and also I just thought maybe it's the portfolio of I don't know maybe a career switch into styling or I don't know so then after that um, I had this opportunity it was a job at ASOS which was um, was a very odd job that was at the time where influencer marketing was really starting to um, to uh, to get big so ASOS had this idea of creating this uh, ace of stylist role where it was very much being uh, like a blogger but um, an ASOS branded blogger so I had this handle ASOS Freddy and my teammates had also like ASOS blah, blah, blah. and there was they had this chat function on the site where we would help people with their shopping and with their styling and they could so we had to produce a lot of content because we all had different styles and it was kind of like people could pick who they wanted to chat uh, like to chat with because they like their styles, etc. Um, so that was the so that's the last job I had, and it was a big three sixty from like a lot of Excel spreadsheet based job to which I found too you know too just like restrictive, not creative enough. Um, this was a bit too much for someone who had really refused to see her creative side for so long. That was too much of a shift. I thought that job was a bit too like superficial and I felt like like people were very complimenting me or very like liking me for but without me being really open, like without them really knowing about all of the struggles I had, you know, I'm someone who has uh, really suffered for, like, you know, I feel like many people are having insecurities, but I think being very introspective dramatic intense and all of this mixed together uh you know i've really suffered from um yeah like low self-esteem and like for, for like a very long time um so i just wanted like if people were going to like aspire to be more like me i just wanted them to know more about the ways that i like i was using to kind of like work on myself because self-development self-growth like like if that like if this is a hobby then this is my hobby like i've always been like really obsessed with all of the self-help uh, different things so i wanted to do something more with that and i was kind of like expressing it more into my role and that's not really what they were into and i think the that whole job in itself wasn't really working for them on that and I, I don't know if they were really getting what they wanted out of the the this sort of like this whole initiative like ASO stylist so 
uh, yes, they let me go. And I just thought, what am I going to do now? I, I had thought I wanted to do something more around confidence, like really helping people, helping more people around that. And I thought I was going to leave this job and do something on my own. But, you know, I don't know if I would have had the courage to really do it. So when they kicked me out, I was like, okay, now what? <laughs> um so yeah, so that kind of like pushed me to really be serious about it. And that forced me into my next move. And I did a first like a um, coaching course, like a well-being coaching course, wanted to really understand more. And um, yeah, like I, like I don't know if I'm just going too much into details now. Not at all. Um, it's so, I love this because it's so great. There's not just one career change, but another is in, in a way, you know, not as maybe as, as drastic as finance to fashion, but, um, well, I guess it is. And then you went into coaching and confidence. And I think I really, yeah, I'm just, I really re- relate to you. And I hate, I actually never want to bring anything back to me when I'm interviewing other people, but, um, the way you got into expressing your what was really going on I found strangely like eerily similar because I was kind of doing very low level for me but it was very low level um you know instagramming etc and I remember thinking no I need to tell people the truth about how I feel like there's a social responsibility to be honest about other things that aren't just about what's on the surface so I I don't know I feel very um I love I just loved hearing it because it I felt I really related to it I love that no I love that no like and I think that um no it's really needed like it's really needed like at the end of the day um like those social media platforms they have really helped us make those realizations about ourselves that um and uh how we want to express ourselves, what we want to express, or just the fact that we want to express ourselves in the first place. Um, So yeah. Hello, sorry to interrupt your podcast. We didn't do that. It's just been magically done for us. We do a podcast, which I think you might like if you like this podcast. Our podcast is called The A to Z of Men with me, Chris Brooks. And me, Scott Robinson. And what's the podcast about, Scott? I mean, what we're doing really is giving you an insight, a delve into the male mind. We're going through the alphabet letter by letter. I submit a word, Chris submits a word, and we battle it out to see what word goes into the A to Z of Men. And you can get us wherever you get your podcast podcast from just search for the a to z of men ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. So let's move on to your third defining moment. Um, my third defining moment. So, um, you know, like moving from the second first like to the third, I would say that even, you know, when I get into confidence and I started my workshop, then I still change, right? Like right now I'm like the, you know, founder, CEO of a beauty startup, which is like yet another change that uh, happened almost accidentally again. Um, but what I would say is also that, um, with this whole self-exploration, you know, I always think that what happens in my career is also what happened in my profession, like my personal life, like side to side. Like I was telling you, I'm so into like self-growth and, you know, like my, my, like my own um, exploration, explorative journey. And uh, so all of the progress that I make personally, is really what helps me and and professionally doesn't really um do justice at summing up what i do like what i like i think i'm someone who like what i do for a living really has to embody who i am so like the journey are the journeys are really intertwined there's a lot of fluidity because of that i think so i will always keep on Touch, look for myself and I think my career would always evolve because of that so the third moment that really defined me and um, it's uh, actually it's my dad's passing four years ago uh, like my dad was uh, he, he like he passed away out of the blue and he was one of my ultimate best friends he was someone who you know I was telling you before I was always felt really weird. I always felt a bit like the, the, yeah, like the black sheep and, you know, someone who just a bit like thinks too much, feels too much. The one oh, just like chill, oh, why are you so dramatic? And he's always like really understood me. And I've always been also someone who, I would say on the, I feel like I'm a very scared person. I'm scared of small things, but then I do things where you would think I'm brave, you know, like my whole like career journey, etc. My dad would always encourage me about, you know, he would always tell me about how brave I am, how brave I don't know I am and how, um, anyway, so we had this really super close relationship and I think he was like my life coach uh, before I even knew what a life coach was. So losing him four years ago um, has to be part of those three moments that made me because one of my biggest fear was to lose him. I don't know, I somehow always knew that I would lose my dad early. You know, I think he was like very sensitive, very, very sensitive. And, you know, many 
like him from his times they don't last long because of that <laughs> so i kind of like always knew that he would um i would lose him early and when he when he left it's like all of a sudden i was literally living on the other side of fear you know so it was just happening my what had happened and i was still kind of still standing and that really also expanded my world and changed it because I was never, I had been lucky. I've been lucky that I haven't experienced grief really before that, you know, and I was 30 when my dad passed. So I hadn't really like experienced anything like that before. And uh, so I never really thought, I had lots of questions about where do we go? Like what happened? But uh, I wasn't really venturing there. And losing my dad, it kind of like pushed further the the bound like the borders of our world really because all of a sudden it was well where is my favorite person in the world right now <laughs> and um so it really um like the spiritual journey that uh, i was already on uh got you know it kind of like changed everything like everything got so much deeper um my interest my like so many things have to like the people I've met because of that. All in the name of, you know, just this exploration of like where like where is he? And also like if I'm going to be alive, uh, like if I'm going to be here until I see him again, then what I'm going to be alive then and yet then I'm going to you know, I don't know, someone with lots of questions. <laughs> and the person answering them is not here anymore. So I think Somehow, it like this is the most like heartbreaking uh, thing that happened to me. And um, what I'm about to say is something that I had found very hard to say, but it's the truth. I can't put it any other way. Um, it's the fact that it's also um, I think the I love the person that I like that I've become ever since, and I I feel like the in ways my life has has never been better. <laughs> but it's like, it sounds awful to say, and it's, but I don't know. Like, I think from like the, maybe this like heartbreak from falling into pieces, you know, you can only um, build yourself up again. Um, but it's also like living on the other side of fear. And I think something has to be said from, by the fact that, you know, you, you, you then have someone on the other side. Because I think he's, definitely pull some strings for me (laughs) I think that is uh firstly just thank you so much for sharing that so vulnerably and um you know openly and I think that I love what you say there that um there's something to be said for living on the other side of fear and uh like you know that was your greatest fear and then to see and feel that you were strong enough to live through that fear coming true and to come through to the other side um, is it must make you feel just so strong and so much more fearless with everything else that you do in life. Is that right? Definitely it does. And I think also how I perceive the world and kind of like the where I am right now with the meaning of, <laughs> with my concept on the meaning of life, etc. It's, uh, 
it's pushed other fears. It's it's transformed other fears I had. It's kind of like like it changed changed everything. I think sometimes like things get so dark, so dark, so dark, so dark that you're forced to see that. Surely it can't be that dark. There's like more of a reason to it. Like, or like there's more, there's more to it. And that's kind of like the corner where I've been pushed. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I'm so sure that I love that you said he's pulling some strings for you. And I absolutely am so sure that he is. Um, I think that is such a, yeah, I'm really touched by your story there. I, I'm really, really touched. thank you (laughs) and so what are you doing now tell us a bit about where you are now where yeah where am I now so (laughs) so right now I'm the I'm the CEO and founder of um of a startup called Ratswan which is um my god I always say I have to work on my elevator pitch and I and I never work on it. <laughs> but um, I'm the founder of a, like of a beauty startup. What we do is that um, we are, we strive to be, like we want to be the leading conscious beauty brand built with and for the African diaspora. And we started with hair extension, which is a, a market that totally needs to be upgraded and dignified when it comes to black women because it's so part of our self-expression and uh, so part of our fluidity, you know, like I call us the shapeshifters and Ratswan is the, is the brand that aims to, to serve the shapeshifter. And uh, yeah, like this again was, uh, you know, from that second moment I was telling you about of like having been um, let go of my last job, it's, uh, you know, like after that, and even when I had made this change from um, marketing to be more into like, you know, styling um, and for that, like finance. I think like having, this was the beginning of approaching my career as something a lot more fluid. Like it doesn't define you at all. It's kind of like it goes with your journey of life as well. If anything, you know, it helps you understand more about, you know, about who you are. You shouldn't go like the other, like the other way, like who you are determines what you do. Um and uh, so where I was going with that is that, the, yeah, so like I think like the second moment that I credited earlier is really what led me to this journey as well, because that's something that I never thought I would do, never thought I would have my own business. But, you know, shortly after launching my confidence workshop, my husband got offered a job completely out of the blue in Geneva in Switzerland. And I just thought we were like, OK, we should go. This is an amazing opportunity. I had literally just, you know, launched this uh, this confidence workshop like two months after being uh, let go of, and I just thought I need to have a quick, quick, quick side hustle, and um, and that's how like the hair business came straight away because I was already I had designed this product for myself with hair extensions I was wearing. You couldn't find them anywhere else, but I was, you know, not blogging about hair because I'm like clueless about hair, and. Um, I just like built something that was for someone clueless like me. And I didn't know that we were all clueless. <laughs> like, oh, so many of us were clueless. Um, so, um, yeah, yeah. Then, so I was like, okay, I need to have a side hustle quickly if I'm going to go to Switzerland. And all of a sudden, and having to stop what I had just started, what I thought was my next move. Uh, so, being open minded to that, that kind of 
led me to being um, a beauty startup entrepreneur. So that's like the, like initially it was called Big Hand Again as the first business, that, like that's how it was called initially. Uh, you know, like I know that people were really interested into my hair, made it into a brand, a product, and because uh, I already had a bit of an audience. And uh, doing that, then we did a few pop-ups offline, like meeting, uh, like meeting the people we were serving to kind of like keep on learning. And uh, that's when, on the back of that, um, it got so popular that I turned this into Ratwan. And two years, just two years and a half ago, um, raised uh, raised money from U.S. investors. Um, when you know, like at the time, I think there was only maybe 50 black women who had raised over $1 million, like, you know, globally, like in the world, in the history. So that was definitely also a defining moment. And uh, this is how, yeah, like Raton came to be. And this is why I'm on my journey now. But even now I'm also learning, you know, like these last two years have been an exercise as well in crafting my role again like my path um um yeah like i, I like i just feel like the yeah like i, I just need to accept the like the fluidity in uh, the way my my career revolves so next time we speak Roxie, i don't know what i would be telling you about where i'm at <laughs> well i love i feel like you've had so many lifetimes um, so many journeys, so many experiences, um, travel, you know, is clearly something that really is just such a huge part of your life, you know, from Shanghai to now in Geneva and London and France. It's amazing. And you have such a warm energy. And uh, I have no doubt that you're going to keep telling lots of different stories. <laughs> and inspiring others as you do. So thank you so much for sharing your moments with me. Thank you so much for having me, Roxy. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. Oh, before you go, I just have a couple of quick fire questions. Of course. So the first one is, what is your most memorable book? The Seat of the Soul. Your favorite quote? I think at the moment, because they change at the moment, it's um, the brightest diamonds come from the deepest minds. <gasps> Love that. <laughs> um, your most influential mentor. You know, it's going to, who is, hmm, it's hard to pick one because I have really different iterations, but, you know, I really love Oprah. still really love Oprah. I really oh, think yeah. And yeah, and then even like now, like her podcast and her shift into wellness and um, yeah, like, yeah, good mentor from a distance. I love that. <laughs> Your go-to feel-good film? Love, actually. Oh, so good. <laughs> um, <laughs> a moment where you felt most proud? Uh, but I think it's like it's recently, you know, it's the realization that I, I have two human beings oh. that, uh, that I've created. Um, oh. That is, uh, I'm still coming to terms with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, a song that cheers you up? Um, so many, honestly, so many. So it's very hard to say, I would say, um, I don't know. Oh, right now comes to my mind. What is the name? Buttercup, you know, why do you feel me 
Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I do. I love that song. Um, your top tip for dealing with stress? Breathing, and I know it sounds so annoying no, and like so basic, but as someone who really um, struggles with anxiety, uh, breathing really goes a long way. Mm. Really, really. <laughs> no, I absolutely agree. And the last question is, who is the first person you call to share good news? My husband. Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah, that definitely him. He's like he's my best friend slash life coach slash yeah, <laughs> so many, especially you know like post lockdown. I feel like so I sweet. Mean, <laughs> so sweet. Freddie, thank you so, so much for being such an amazing guest today. And I can't wait to see what's next. Thank you so much, Roxy. <laughs> Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 